are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. When I think about the church, I think about uh, this weekend, uh, tonight, our district assembly. So churches from all over Oklahoma will come and join together for um, a time together. It'll be a great night of worship. It starts at 6 o'clock. Assembly is tomorrow. Then tomorrow night is an ordination service. Pastor Corey Hooper and Pastor Thaddeus Black will be ordained tomorrow night at 6.30. I don't know that I want to miss that. I think it's going to be a great evening. So you are all welcome uh, to attend. So through COVID, I began to say that our world has been shaken. I think it's true. I think, I think people today feel unsettled. And I think people are looking for something that is sure and that is certain. I, I don't necessarily believe that they're going to come knocking on the doors of our churches. Asking us, so can you give me something that's sure and certain that I can put my hope in? But I do believe that many are very open to meaningful relationships, to faith conversations. I even believe that many are open to invitations to church. The question that I'm living with today is, what will the church do with that opportunity? Because I do believe that there's an opportunity for the church that is significant. And so, so what are we going to do with the opportunity that's in front of us? Will we say, you know what, I, I feel like the world is just becoming more secular, and I think I'm going to sit right here and just watch it happen. Or, is there truly something that I can do? So I was, I was looking through some notes the other day, and, and I came across a few questions, and I asked myself the questions, and I'm just going to tell you now, it was painful. <laughs> it was a painful experience. I'd like to put you through the same pain if I could this morning. Uh, the, the first question was, how long has it been since I've invited someone to church who is not a follower of Jesus, and they came and sat beside me? Would, would you apply the question now to your life? How long has it been since you've invited somebody to church who is not a follower of Jesus? And they came to church with you and they sat beside you. The second question was, if everybody at my church, so if everybody here at Bethany First Church shared their faith like I do, would that be good? If everybody at Bethany First Church shared their faith with the consistency and the urgency that I do, would that be a good thing? Am I a good example for the rest of the church to follow? And then the third question was, am I truly concerned about people who do not yet know Jesus? And this is not a statement of judgment. This is simply saying that Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And am I concerned that others come to know Jesus as I've come to know Him? 
Do I live with a sense of concern for people who do not yet know Jesus? And so a few months ago, I began to flip around in the Scripture, and I, and I found this, this church in Antioch in the book of Acts chapter 11. And I began to be impressed with the church in Antioch. And I began to ask myself, why am I impressed with this church? And then I began to identify characteristics in the church that I believed were very pleasing to God. And I began to ask myself, are we Antioch? Is Bethany First Church Antioch? Do we, do we possess some of these same characteristics that they possess? And, and one of the characteristics that I see in the church of Antioch is they lived with their arms open, open arms. And so the opposite of living like this with your arms open is to live like this with your arms folded. So this says, I don't, I don't know about you. This says, come on in. Be a part of us. And that was the posture that Antioch took. You're going to be amazed in a moment when I open the scripture with you and show you how they lived with their arms open like this. Here's what I do know. In the searching of the scriptures and the walking with Jesus over these last several years of my life, this is something I'm not confused about. I'm certain of this. We are called. We are called to live with open arms, inviting others to this life in Christ and to this community of faith. That I know beyond the shadow of a doubt. I am not mistaken about this issue. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I are called to live with our arms open, inviting others into this relationship with Jesus and into this faith community. I have no doubt in the world about that. I guess we're just having to stop this morning and kind of, you know, ask the Holy Spirit to be faithful in speaking deep into our hearts and ask ourselves, are we living out that calling? And so am I living out that calling? Are you living out that calling? So I don't know how much you know about Antioch. There were about 16 cities in the ancient world called Antioch. Named after royalty. Antioch was a large city. The third largest in the Roman Empire. The first being Rome. The second being Alexandria. And the third Antioch. Some believe that maybe as many as 300,000 people lived in the city. And so this is the city where all of this takes place. You ready? Here we go. Acts chapter 11. Beginning with verse 19. So now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed. You remember the story of Stephen being killed? We'll talk about it in a moment. Persecution breaks out in the church. They scattered. They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And they were spreading the word only among the Jews. So people are sharing this good news about Jesus. And who's getting to hear it? The Jews. But now, if there's a seatbelt on that chair, you need to buckle it, okay? Because something earth-shaking happens. 
Something life-changing happens. The whole trajectory of the sharing of the gospel changes. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, meaning Gentiles, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Well, how did that work out? Well, Luke says, the Lord's hand was on them, and a great number of people, meaning Gentiles and Jews, believed, and they turned to the Lord. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but we have the situation where that uh, images are burned into my mind of the Afghan people running out to the airport trying to get on the plane, even as the planes were taken off, seeking to become refugees to the United States. 74,000 total made it here. 1,000 of them live in Oklahoma City today. 1,000 live in Oklahoma City. And so our church was contacted by the Catholic Charities, and they said, would you be able to help locate, relocate a family of Afghan, Afghan rather, refugees here in Oklahoma City. And we said, sure, we would be happy to. Dr. Barbie Moore, who serves on our staff, headed up this effort. We now have adopted a second family. And so what many of you have done is donated furniture and everything that was needed to set up a home. Uh, Catholic Charities rented an apartment for them. And many of you got involved and have met these families and have come along beside them to help them try to somehow start Life over with nothing but a suitcase in their hands. And so Harlan and Barbie tell the story about going the very first day to meet their first family. At a Fairfield Inn and Suites near the airport. Unfortunately, that family doesn't speak English. Harlan and Barbie don't speak Pashto. And so they're relying on a translation app that they've downloaded onto their phones to communicate. And when they enter the apartment, or rather the hotel room, the wife says through the translation, before we speak with you today, we have a question to ask you. And Barbie is thinking, what, what are they going to ask? Are they going to ask, are, 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 we, are we Christians? Are we trying to convert them? Why, why are we doing this? Why are we helping them? What are they going to ask? You know what their question was? Would you like black tea or green tea? <laughs> and would you like sugar or milk or both? And what Harlan and Barbie found that this Afghan family was doing was simply this. We're going we're gonna to welcome you into our little hotel room. And we're going to show you hospitality. And so Barbie said to me, what do you do if you have medical needs? And she said, Harlan and I had a, had a good option. We drove them to the Two Lakes Clinic that BFC sponsors. And she says, the people at Two Lakes Clinic, they live like this. They welcome anybody who walks through the doors. Yeah. 
I, I, I could go on, but I'm assuming you're getting the point. Is there anybody in the room saying, but they're not like us? They don't share our faith. They don't share our language. They don't share our customs. <laughs> what are we doing? We're doing this. Because they are people God created. And that Jesus died for. And this is the only way we know how to go about sharing our faith. This is where it starts. By opening our arms. I, I, I wonder what would happen if we opened our arms to people who are different from us. Do you know who it's easy to invite to church? Other Christians. You guys might ought to try our church. We got a new music guy at our place. Because they're like us. So this is really the story that we find here in Acts chapter 11. So I thought I might just remind you that the church is being scattered because of persecution. Stephen is preaching the gospel. What he is saying is not what is in alignment with the Jew religious Jewish leaders of the day. And so the end result is he is stoned to death. He's killed. The church scatters. The, the idea is let's throw a blanket over it now. Let's stop this from going any further. Let's just, let's just squelch it right where it is. Let's just nip it in the bud. But instead when they scatter, they begin to share Jesus wherever they go. And now there's groups of people who love Jesus popping up all over the place. It spreads like wildfire. 2,000 years later, the church is all over the world. You cannot stop it. And so, let me just show you a map here of what we're dealing with. Now, when, when we read often and we talk about Jesus, we're always in Jerusalem, right over here. This is the region of Judea. This is Samaria. Okay, so this is kind of where we think about the, the Sea of Galilee. The region of Galilee is right where my finger is. So you kind of think about Bible times, New Testament times, a lot of it happening right here until we get to the moon. Till the missionary journeys and Paul begins to take the gospel other places. So when they were scattered, they go to Phoenicia, they go to Cyprus, the island here. This is the Mediterranean Sea, of course. And as far as Antioch. How long would it take you to go from Jerusalem to Antioch? The church is being persecuted. You've got to get out of Jerusalem if you're going to stay alive. It's about 300 miles up the coast of the sea. 300 miles from here to here. If you're going to walk, how long would it take you to walk 300 miles? If you could walk 20 miles a day, you walk all day, you check in at the Marriott. Wasn't like that. Well, it would take you over two weeks if you just walked 20 miles, if you could walk 20 miles a day. So we're talking about scattered. The church is, is moving out. However, some from Cyprus and Cyrene down here by Alexandria, they go to Antioch. Now, those who are scattered here and here, they're preaching only to the Jews. But some of these, when they get to Antioch, they also preach to Gentiles. Do you understand that this is the greatest shift that has happened to this point in the spreading of the gospel? This is earth-shaking. This is mind-blowing. 
This is innovation at its highest level. This is when everything changes. You remember in Jerusalem it was only to the Jews. But you remember a guy named Philip goes to Samaria and he shares with a few Samaritans. And then Philip goes to Caesarea and he shares with the household of Cornelius. But when we get to Antioch, a great number of Gentiles believe. Do, do you realize that this is something that has never happened in the history of sharing the gospel? Right? People don't know what to do with these people who are all together because it's Jews and Gentiles sitting down together and eating a common meal. There are slaves sitting at the same table with their masters. Everybody on the outside are watching it going, what, what, what is this? Who, what is this group? Are, are those Jews and Gentiles eating at the same table with those slaves? And they're all together? They're, they're truly living like this? Everybody's welcome? And they said, we don't even know what to call you. And it was at Antioch that they were first called Christians. They had to make up a name. We don't even know how you describe them. What could we call And they come up with a name and they call them Christians. That's hard. That's messy. Getting with people not like you. You know that life is much easier. It is way less messy if you just hang out with people who are like you. True story. But when you begin to open your arms to people who aren't like you, you sometimes have to have a phone just to translate the communication, right? And their customs are different. And their ideas are different. And it's just not comfortable. I'm glad the people in Antioch were okay being uncomfortable. Amen. So uh, let's talk about what are we going to do with this today, okay? We've got a few minutes left. We can talk about what to do with it. So let's think about the church together. Uh, the story that I'm hearing is that America is becoming more secular. Less people are going to church. Is that the story you're hearing? I've been hearing that story for 10 years now or so, maybe more. Becoming more secular. You say, how are we doing in the church of the Nazarene? So we're part of a denomination, right? We're Nazarenes. So how's the Nazarene church doing? Well, for, you know, a church that's uh, over 100 years old, the first, uh, the first several years we just grew and grew and grew and we kept reaching people with the gospel. We kept living with open arms and we kept finding people who weren't like us and we kept sharing Jesus with them and they became... Christians, and, and so the church just grew and grew. The graph was moving up and right for years and years and years. But a few years ago, we stopped moving up. And we peaked, and we started a slight decline of morning worship people. The number of people showing up in Nazarene churches in the United States began to go slightly down. We were told by some consultants... That if we reversed that, if we ever could stop that downward and go up again, that we would be the first denomination in the history of the world to do so. 
Interesting, isn't it? You might ask, well, how's BFC doing? We're now 113 years old, this church is. We began to live with open arms early on and grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. About 40 years ago, we peaked. And for the last 45 years or so, on Sunday morning, we've had about 2,200 people show up in person. Give or take 100 or so. For about 45 years, it's just been right here. How many did you have today? Oh, around 2,200. Now, COVID has messed with us these last two years. Online attendance has been strong, but in-person attendance has been different, of course, with everybody. And only time will tell what that rebound will look like. And so while we celebrate that we haven't declined, that's not really what we're all about, is it? I mean, don't we know about the greatest thing in the world, and that is Jesus, and that He can make our relationship with God right, and we can live life with God because of what Jesus has done? And don't we want to share Jesus with other people so that they can come into a relationship with Jesus and become a part of this community as well? So I have a friend whose name is Stan. Stan was a pastor friend. But a few years ago, he was appointed as the director of the Church of the Nazarene in the region of the USA and Canada. Now he serves at the pleasure of the general superintendents. David Busick is one of those who was your form of pastor. There's six of those. They oversee the work in the whole world. And they asked Stan if he would oversee the work in the USA and Canada. And so Stan began to think about where the church is going in the USA and Canada. And Stan began to believe that God was giving him a vision. A dream. And so here's what Stan did. He began to call people to prayer. And in January he has 50 regional leaders around the region of the USA and Canada join him in prayer. Would you begin praying, he said, daily until Pentecost? And then in February, he grew that number to 500. District superintendents, advisory board members in the Church of the Nazarene. And then in March, he asked every pastor of every Church of the Nazarene in the USA and Canada, 5,000 Nazarene churches in the USA and Canada, he said, would you join me in prayer daily until Pentecost? And then in April, he asked every church board member of every church of the Nazarene in the USA and Canada. So in April, at our board meeting, we closed our board time praying together, and I said to our church board, your leaders of this church, will you pray daily until Pentecost that God will bless the church and that we will live with open arms and that we will become people who share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others and disciple people in the faith. And today, May the 1, the 1st. I usually don't say May the 1. I usually say May the 1st. <laughs> I just wanted to do that for you. May the 1st. Stan is asking every member of the church of the Nazarene 
in the United States of America and Canada, everyone who attends, to begin praying today for the church. Will you? Will you begin to pray? You say, Rick, I, I, I can say, Lord, bless the church. You can pray specifically for BFC. Father, help us to live with open arms. Father, please help us to invite people into this relationship with Jesus Christ and into this faith community. Father, help me <laughs> to live with open arms, to invite others into this relationship with Jesus and into this faith community. You say, how did it, how did it happen for them? Keywords. You ready for this? Because you, you want to know how, right? Yeah, I would love to be used of God, right? I would love to have 15 people in church with me a year from now that I brought to church or that I shared the gospel with and they came to... I would love to be a world changer. What's the secret? Here it is. Antioch. But the Lord's hand was on them. Here's what we cannot make the mistake of doing, okay? Don't try to do the work of God without the power of God. Do you remember what Jesus said to his followers in Acts chapter 1 verse 4? When you receive power, then the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. So, there's a prayer that I think you can pray. I always tease and say it's a great prayer, I know, because I wrote it myself. But I call it the open arms prayer, and it simply says, Father, bring someone into my life today. Okay? Give me the wisdom to recognize them. And the reason we pray that is because God brings people into our life every day, and we just don't see them. I believe God brings people into your life every day and you just don't see them. My life every day, I just don't see them. So not only bring someone into my life, but give me the wisdom to recognize them and the grace to open my arms to them. If I'm going to welcome them into my life and Jesus is the center of my life, then wouldn't I welcome them to my church? When you begin to pray that prayer daily, you'll find yourself in the middle of the day and you'll see someone and say, God, is that them? Is that them? And God will begin putting people in your life. And you will have more people in your life than you'll know what to do with to live like this toward. Every time I say, okay, I'm going to begin praying this prayer again. Every time I pray it, it's just amazing to me how I say, oh my goodness, Lord, it, that, there's one. There's another and you'll begin to write down names of people that you come into contact with. And you'll begin to reach out to them. And you'll be amazed at how many people God will bring into your life. So I want us to pray before we go, okay? So let me tell you what life was like uh, when I was raised in a small Kentucky town. Went to a Nazarene church there. 
And, and it was often at the end of the service that our pastor would say something like this. Well, let's gather around the altar together and pray. You ever been in a situation like that? Do you go to a church like mine? Let's just all gather around the altar. And so here's what we would do. We would stand, and usually there was music playing, and uh, we would all come down, and we would kneel around the altar. But there were just too many of us to get around the altar. And we would kneel on both sides of the altar. And usually there was a steps or rail, and we would kneel over here, and we would kneel at the front seats. And then we would fill in the space between the front seat and the altar, and sometimes it would go all the way back into the aisles. And we would all pray together. And so I thought, well, if, if our leader is asking us to pray, then why don't we all pray together this morning? And I do believe there's something about posture in prayer. I think there is something powerful about getting on our knees and praying. And so would you stand with me? And would you let me say to you as a church... Why don't we gather around the altar and pray before we go? Let's pray that God gives us the grace to live with open arms. Okay? So just gather around. And I really mean just kind of fill in every spot you can fill in. There's going to be many more coming behind you. And so you'll want to just make room for, for many, many people to gather in. And if there's not room on the other side of the altar, you can kneel at the front and then you can just kind of kneel if there's not a place. Um, the people at the front seats, they'll move and they'll let you kneel at the front seats. I think that's a great place to kneel to. But I just feel like it's a great time to come together as a church and to pray about the future of Bethany First Church and the future of the Church of the Nazarene. You understand around the world the church is growing. We're reaching many people with the gospel in other countries. But here, we're struggling some. So let's gather around let's pray that God will help us. Will you do that with me this morning? Can you sing, Nick? Father, this morning we bow before you. We come humbly to you. We need your hand to be on us. 
as your hand was on the people of Antioch. We need you, Lord, to use us. To speak through us. To let us be such examples of love and faith that people will be ready to hear what we have to say. We pray, Father, for a fresh anointing. And by that, Lord, I simply mean that you would multiply our efforts. That you would do through us what we can't accomplish. And so for the church of the Nazarene around the world, for the church of the Nazarene in the United States of America and Canada, For the church of Jesus Christ around the world, we pray today. Of every denomination. We pray, God, that in this time where people feel unsettled, that we could be a smiling face, that we could be a conversation of hope, that we could be a a warm embrace that we could be a conveyor of the message of Jesus that we could share with people that there is something certain and firm that you can put your faith in and so Lord we pray in Jesus name right now together would you bring someone into my life Would you give me the wisdom to recognize them? And would you give me the grace to open my arms to them? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.